miles apart geographically, like-minded philosophically. We love nerdy things, so we tap the wire to discuss them. Welcome to the latest episode of Tap the Wire. Now, normally I am joined by one of my co-hosts, whether it be Aaron or Patrick or Sanchez, to discuss all this nerdy goodness. But today I just wanted to take this opportunity to sit down and talk a little bit about the big news revolving around the Star Trek universe of late, and that is, of course, talking about season two of Picard, which is coming out later on this year, and it's going to feature one of the greatest villains slash characters that the entire canon of the whole universe has ever seen, and that, of course, we're talking about the character of Q. And... Uh, those of us that are big Trekkies are really looking forward to seeing Q and Picard reunite in season two. And it's one of those characters that's really kind of divisive within the Star Trek universe because and this kind of goes along the lines of New Guard and old guard per se the 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 older trekkies or trek ors if you will aren't the biggest fans of the character of q whereas newer trekkies seem to really gravitate to q as a character and a species and i think that that has a lot to do with q didn't really appear in the original series or the animated series and he didn't make his debut until the next generation so what we're going to talk about today is going to be sort of a mix of q lore or q fact if you will and a little bit of conjecture a little bit by me a little bit about from a lot of other people on the internet, and even some professional writers that have made some comparisons to Q, and we'll get into what I'm talking about in a little while. So, hopefully it's a fun little conversation, or speech, if you will, since I'm by myself, and hopefully it's an entertaining little episode of Tap the Wire. So let's get the histrionics out of the way right off the get-go. Now, initially, Q made his debut in the Next Generation pilot or the first episode, Encounter at Farpoint. And some people know this, some people don't, but initially, the whole Q storyline wasn't included in the encounter at Farpoint, because Gene Roddenberry had written the portion of the episode that had to do with the whole space octopus, or whatever you want to call it, that was enslaved as the Farpoint 
space station. And at the time of filming, Paramount went to Gene Roddenberry and said they wanted a two-hour debut episode. And he wanted to keep it as one hour, but they sort of insisted that they wanted a two-hour debut, so they needed to sort of expand on that storyline. So he turned to his story editor, his right-hand woman, if you will, and that, of course, is D.C. Fontana, who we all know was a producer and story writer and story editor for the original series and the animated series and worked really hand-in-hand on a lot of the Star Trek canon and creation with Gene Roddenberry. Well, she had this idea of sort of an, an omnipotent character that sort of overlooked the whole of the universe. So the character storyline that was included that became Q in Encounter Farpoint was created by DC Fontana. And initially, after filming Encounter at Farpoint, the, the Q character was was really only supposed to be kind of a one-off introduction into the Next Generation character. And at the time, they weren't really expecting to have Q return much less become such a huge part huge part a huge part of the canon of the entire Star Trek universe so as you all know Q in Encounter at Farpoint was putting humanity on trial for its past crimes and that was supposed to be the end of the character at the end of that episode, but they got such a great reaction from the character and John Delancey's portrayal of Q that they thought, you know, we can sort of incorporate him into or being a recurring character, a recurring villain in the next generation to see if they can keep the popularity up. So, Initially, as you all know, Q was supposed to be a villain, a bad guy, if you will, a a troublemaker for the Next Generation crew. And that's the way it started out in Encounter and Farpoint and the first couple episodes that he appeared in. And then as the series went on, they sort of softened him a little bit into a more of a mischievous sort of comic relief type of character. And to me, I think that sort of hurt the 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 mythos of what they were initially building that character to be. So to go a little bit into the history onyx, the name Q applies to the names of individuals portrayed, whether it be male or female, Q characters, but they were all known as Q. It also applies to the name of the race of the Q continuum itself. 
And as I stated initially, he was starting off as a foil to Picard, but as time went on, they sort of turned him into sort of this anti-hero that was judging not only Picard, but humanity as it went on through this second five-year mission. Now, you may know and you may not know, but Gene Roddenberry actually chose the letter Q to honor Janet Quarton, who is one of the biggest original Trek fans that there were. He he knew her well from the write-in campaigns to, to keep the original series on the air, to all of the Star Trek conventions and whatnot. She, she was, I guess you could say, the number one Star Trek fan, so... Roddenberry chose the letter Q to sort of pay homage to her. And it's kind of a perfect letter to choose for this mysterious, omnipotent little character. And as I stated before, initially they, they, they had Q as a, a, an evil foil, judgmental character to Picard and the Enterprise crew and as as time went on they sort of morphed it into more of a comedic character sort of a a teacher of humanity to Picard and the entire crew of the Enterprise D and it was such a big character throughout the the series run of the next generation they decided you know well we have these other series starts starting and and on the air at the time why not bring q into them so q also appeared on deep space nine one time on the episode Qless, and he appeared in three episodes of voyager and then in more modern times he has appeared in one episode of star trek lower decks which at some point or another, maybe Aaron and Patrick and I can sit down and talk about that. But Lower Decks is Lower Decks for now. I'm not completely sold on it, and I don't want to get sidetracked because you know how I get when I get sidetracked. But no opinion on Lower Decks quite yet, but maybe we'll get to it someday. So all in all, Q appeared in 12 episodes of the franchise and in a handful of novels and video games and audio presentations, some of which were actually written by John DeLancey himself. And who better than to write about Q than the actor that portrays him? Now, I haven't personally heard this telling, but by Delancey or anybody involved in the production of Star Trek, but I have seen it on other videos of inside Star Trek knowledge on YouTube and whatnot. But some people have stated that John Delancey has maintain that he sort of based the character a little bit loosely on Lord Byron and it's an interesting take on the character but read a little bit about Lord Byron and then sort of compare it with 
what you know about Q from Star Trek and see if you can kind of buy that. So it's an interesting take if it's true. And if it is true, you can kind of sort of see a little similarities between Lord Byron and the initial creation of the character and the evolution of the character Q. Now, as I stated earlier, and I don't have to tell anybody listening to this podcast that's a fan of Star Trek, but all of the Q Continuum characters are Q, whether they be male or female. And it's sort of an androgynous way to identify a species without individualizing them. And that's one of the interesting things that they did throughout the whole story arc of the Q Continuum is they're all a singularly based species that overlooks the universe and the happenings within the universe. And they didn't really have any individuality, but as they went on, especially in the Voyager episodes, they really brought out the the uniqueness and the individuality of each member of the Q Continuum. Which I thought was a, a very interesting and cool way to sort of evolve the character into the canon and keep it going and keep it fresh for everybody. I mean, you can't have this just evil troublemaker pop on every few episodes and kind of do the same thing over and over again. That kind of gets old and stale, which is sort of a way I think people started to think specifically more about the Klingons because every time you saw the Klingons, each storyline was essentially the same. And I think one way they cured that was including Worf into the next generation in Deep Space Nine and sort of putting a little bit of backstory, a little bit of empathy into the Klingons, as it were, to sort of keep people's interest about one of the the more notorious characters of the entire universe. And they, they didn't really have to do that with the Romulans because the Romulans weren't quite as frequent a nemesis to the Federation as the Klingons were. So they, they, they always sort of had that mystique and mystery surrounding them. So one of the cool things they did on Next Generation was have them sort of pop up at the end of an episode and say, we're back, which was sort of a, yeah, you may have forgotten about us. We've been gone for a while, but we're still here and we're still going to cause trouble. So that, that was sort of, I think, kind of the way they, they softened the cue a little bit. It was to give them a little bit of, dare I say, humanity included into the character, more specifically on Voyager. But they did a little bit in The Next Generation as well. Now, one of the more interesting fan theories that there is out there pertaining to the Q and sort of bringing it full circle into 
the next generation is whether or not the character of Trelane from the original series episode, The Squire of Gothos, is in fact a member of the Q Continuum. Now, I know I've talked to other people about this before and sort of teased that I was going to do a a podcast episode about that, but I was never really happy with just sitting down talking about it by myself and nobody else really seemed that interested in talking about it. But it is an interesting theme and none of the production crew or creators of the Star Trek universe have ever really confirmed or denied the possibility about it. But it has been brought up in a novel, Star Trek novel from the 90s, that Trelane is in fact a member of the Q Continuum. But they sort of have the same sort of powers. They sort of do the same sort of thing. They're, they're studying humanity. They're watching humanity. Q and Trelane are, and they interfere in the Enterprise and the Enterprise D and Voyager much the same way. So it kind of lends a little bit of of mental thought or, hmm, maybe Trelane is in fact a member of the Q Continuum, but who knows? It's just something interesting, and if you're more of a fan of the next generation and the newer stuff, and you haven't really watched a lot of the original series, go back and seek out the episode, The Squire of Gothos, and, and see maybe, do you think that the, the character Trelane is in fact, or could possibly be, a member of the Q Continuum. One of the, the 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 last things about that that really make you think that Trelane could be a member of the Q Continuum is you always had that little bit of childlike wonder within Q the character, and you get a lot of the same things with Trelane in the Squire of Gothos, and as it turns out. At the end of that episode, spoilers, that Trelane is in fact a child of these two other omnipotent beings. And kind of that's sort of the, the part that makes you think, hmm, maybe, maybe, just maybe, he is a younger version of the Q Continuum, or in fact, as some people have stated, maybe he is an infant version of Q himself. Well, with all that being said, that brings us to the present. And as you all know, it has been announced that season two of Picard will feature a return of Q. Now, of course, there's all sorts of fan theories that are already being thrown about, and there really isn't any release of information about what part Q will will have within Season 2 of Picard. But we can all just kind of wonder that he's going to show back up and and say, you know what, Picard, 
you're still on trial, you have always been on trial, and you always will be on trial. But we really won't know any of that for sure until Season 2 airs later on this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Personally, I'm kind of hoping that they sort of go back to the Encounter Farpoint portion of the Q character where he is really looking to punish the Enterprise crew or specifically Jean-Luc Picard for the things that humanity has done throughout its history. And I thought when they introduced the character, it was such a great foil for the crew to have. And even though he was very malicious, very devious, he also, on a fine line sort of way, kept his word when Picard and the crew bested him. He went away. So I'm hoping that's kind of what they do here with season two of Picard. Give him back his sort of, his evilness, if you will, his, his, his I'm judging you. And I'm going to continue to judge you. I think that was that was when Q was at his best. You can still have the the whole the humor side of Q and whatnot. And that's that's easily done and mixed within the evil portion of Q. And I just kind of hope personally that's what with what they do with his appearance here on season two. Now, one thing I hope they don't do is kind of give Picard and Q a send-off like they did with Data in Season 1. It's one of the, the things I didn't really care for with Season 1 of Picard was it all built around Data, and as we all learned after the fact, that's sort of the agreement that Brent Spiner had made to return as the character was, okay, I'll do this, but this is it. I'm retiring Data, and they kind of sent him off at the end, as we all know. So I really hope that's not what they do with Q and Picard here in Season 2. And I know all these actors are getting older, and they can't continue to do all of these action roles so eventually things have to come to an end but I just kind of hope that they to me I guess the best way to put it is you can end season two of Picard off with Q saying I'm omnipotent I'm never going anywhere and I'm going to continue to judge you as long as you're around. But you know what? I could be wrong. I'm really looking forward to it because I think it will bring in the rest of the Next Generation fan base that didn't really buy into Season 1 of Picard but still love the Next Generation. So maybe this will bring everybody together. Hold hands, let's sing Kumbaya or something. I don't know. I think it's going to be a fun season. I'm really looking forward to it. 
And if you have any thoughts or, or theories about how you think the Q and Picard episodes are going to shape up or take form, let us know on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at Tap the Wire. And once the season starts, I'm sure Patrick and Aaron will join me. And we'll come back on here. We'll tap the wire. And we'll talk all about season two of Picard. And the reintroduction to the character Q. Q.